It's 1.07 p.m. and you're tuned into the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. Uh, my name is Kingsley Kipuri. I'll be your host for the next hour. We're really going to be digging into what has been the talk of the nation over the past week. That's the President's State of the Nation address that happened in Parliament last week. Um, over the next hour, we're going to be tuned or we're going to be calling calling out to Rebecca Davis, who's live at the Sona Sona debate happening in Parliament. We're also going to be speaking to Africa Check editor, Julian Rademeyer, and in studio we have the pleasure of having Daily Maverick journalist Greg Nicholson. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for having me. Um, I think the, the, the biggest value we can really, really get from this conversation is your first-hand account of, of actually being there. Have you recovered from the crazy stuff we saw last week? Only barely. The drinking, the drinking didn't help either. Okay, that's, I mean, let's keep that for an after-hour show, maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, what was it like? I mean, so let's start from the beginning. You, you arrive, you arrive in the day, and what, what's the scene there? What's going on? So, so obviously this, the, the chaos and mayhem at this year's Sona really kicked off on the Thursday yeah. during the day yeah. when Zuma was supposed to deliver his address. There were both EFF and uh, Democratic Alliance supporters who'd, who'd been lined up on the route in Cape Town where the president was later going to drive. And the public order policing unit, unit the right cops, um, decided that no, they can't have these opposition parties. The DA had something like 500 supporters there with anti-Zuma um, placards. They can't have these opposition parties on the route while Zuma drives through. So the cops came down really, really heavy on these guys, and they they pushed them with batons. They knocked some of them over, and they, particularly for the DA, they arrested the leaders who were sort of organising this thing and charged them with violating the Public Gatherings Act, which stipulates that you have to have um, a permit to gather if you have over 15 people here, even though this was an official state event. So there was that, and then the the EFF's um, rogue in chief. Andile Mutama, um, who, who has sort of said he's sp- spoken out about Julius, uh, Julius Malema and some of the other EFF officials tried to hold a press conference on the day. Of course, we all know this now. And he got chased through the streets of Cape Town by his own supporters. So already the day is crazy. Before, before we even get to parliament, before the state of the nation address happens, it's already more exciting than any other and more chaotic than any other state of the nation address I've ever seen. And so basically what happens for us then as journalists, you get there pretty early at about one or two p.m. And then it's all about making sure, you know, you get the right pictures of the fashion and you get your right accreditation if you need to go into the National Assembly to watch Mm, the State mm, of the Nation mm. address. And, of course, that's where you want it to be this year because who really cares about the fashion when Julius Malema, Floyd Shavambu and co are going to get into a brawl, you know, inside Parliament. So, obviously, I was doing the photography there and and my colleagues, Rebecca Davis and Ranjini Munasami, we all wanted to be inside. So then you get there. And then it's a huge stress just trying to make sure you work out all those details. Yeah, what, what was the state of security? Would you say it was like your regular run-of-the-mill yeah. sonar security? No, to be honest, I have to yeah. say it was, in terms of like police personnel yeah. uh, in the parliamentary precincts, yeah. there wasn't a noticeable increase, but then it's hard to, it's, it would be hard to have more police and, and more security there anyway. What there did seem to be more of is more spooks, you know, sort of more guys who seem to be, you know, these he- sort of heavies in suits with an earpiece or something like that, just standing around okay. here and there. And it's sort of like, okay. what, are you, what are you doing so here, So Kevin man? Costner in the bodyguard sort of looking kind <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, so you know those guys, and you're just sort of like, what is going on here? So then there was that, right? And so for me, actually getting in, getting into the house as a photographer was a bit of a mission. I had to sort of hustle my way in a bit, but got in in the end. And obviously the big thing was happened. What happened was, um, I guess, I guess I go, I don't sit with the other press as a photographer. I sit, uh, across directly facing Zuma so we, so we can shoot him head on. 
And on my on my left, you know, I had um, about a meter from me, former President F. W. De Klerk, uh, right next to a seat or two away from him was former President Tabo and Becky. On my right, in the row on my right, only a few meters away, is uh, Secretary General of the ANC, Guido Montasha, wow. Deputy Secretary, Deputy SG, um, Jesse Duarte, as well as M. Kizzy, and so on. So I'm up there with all these big, big shots, just sort of taking pictures, you know. And then, of course, as we all expected, once Zuma finished his, his, uh, finished his lengthy introduction, um, the EFF raised points of privilege and continued to do so until they were evicted from the House by, ordered by Bleka and Beta, the Speaker, and, um, and performed by what seemed to be police or seemed to actually, at the time we didn't know. All I can say is, so it just got very, very heated all of a sudden. And she, she asked for the parliamentary security officers and some sort of security forces or security officers, I can't remember exact words, to come in. And then it's still chilled for a minute. They're still just yelling a little bit. Then all of a sudden, like ants or, I don't know, like a flood from every entrance point into Parliament. You see these big burly guys in white shirts, like like a flood of waiters, like muscly waiters, just flood into Parliament from everywhere. And I just, I think I even stopped taking pictures. I was like, holy fuck, you know, like what is, what's going on, you know? And then, so they come from everywhere, and then the, the VIP security personnel surround Zuma, like they do at most of his events. So all of a sudden, Zuma's just got, like, bodyguards literally all around him. So we now have through. armed police in well, Parliament. Well, I didn't see them with guns, but those guys normally have guns because okay. they're bodyguards, you know. Wow. And then, so these these guys in white shirts go over to the EFF, and it was... It's hard to say. It was shocking. I was, it was shocking. Even my colleague, Ran Jenny, when she was, she was filming the video on her phone, you can see the video is shaking. Because, because she was, she was so shocked and even scared that what was happening, you know? And so eventually it was quite a pretty rough process. He had some EFF guys like jumping up and trying to hit these, hit these sort of waiters with their helmets. You know, they're taking off their, what do you call hard hats. Macarapas or yeah. something. Yeah, these hard hats <laughs> and trying to throw them, throw them at the waiters and they're brawling and fighting. And it was just, it was a scene, hey? It was really, really intense. I mean, did you actually witness the EFF getting actually beaten up? There's claims that they were not just being evicted. They were actually being. There was, the, the, like, I, I think the thing was they were trying to resist being taken out. And okay. so it was, Julius Malema says after he was taken out, he was, he was then roughed up and there was some guy who was tugging on his balls or something like that. But I didn't see that. I just saw them very, very violently really rip them out, out of the National Assembly. Then what I did then is I thought either I stay now for Zuma's speech, oh, yawn, <laughs> or, or go and see the EFF outside to see how they're doing, see if they're injured, anything like that. So that's what I did, and I found I found the EFF had gone into their chambers, into their offices in Parliament, and I caught them as they're going out, and they marched up and down while Zuma was speaking in the parliamentary precincts. Um, and Malema had a ripped shirt, and then he gave he gave a press conference on the steps of Parliament, which and it was incredible the amount of media there. It was, it was huge. The same as when the DA walked out, and so did Bantu Holomisa from the from the UDM. Um, just a really really intense throng of media pushing and elbowing each other, and. Yeah, I guess, and that was sort of the night. Then eventually the ANC come out of the house, um, just singing, singing in victory, in glee. They came out much longer than I've ever seen them do before. They came and stood sort of on the steps of Parliament themselves, really sort of singing victory songs and marching around, and then they marched to the, to the bust, um, the statue of Nelson Mandela there, and they were singing around him, sort of, you know, we, we, we're honouring Mandela, we've got the values of Mandela, and I'm just like, what is going on with this world? And yeah, so that was the day, really. It's, it was it was intense. Well, Craig, I'm sorry. I think I'm just going to have to stop you there for a second. I think we have Julian Rademeyer on the line. Julian? 
Oh, not yet. Okay, before we get Julian, I mean, I'm really curious. So you're sitting next to former President Tabombeki, FW De Klerk. What's their response to this and the SG? No, no, no one had huge um, responses. FW De Klerk looked pretty bleak, but then he, I don't think that was too different for him. He's had just sort of this dour sort of face on, yeah. And Becky seemed to be shifting around a little bit, but he didn't show any overt emotion. But it just, and then the same as all the ANC guys on my right, um, all the like the heads of the ANC, they all also seemed to. They weren't speaking while the EFF were getting evicted. It just seemed to be sort of watching in a little bit of shock and horror and even awe maybe of just this is going on. Um, yeah, sorry. Okay, I think we've finally got Julian on the line. Julian is the editor of Africa Check and, and Julian was, was part of the team that not only fact-checked the president's speech but, but actually dug up who the, the mystery security forces in parliament were. Uh, Julian, how are you? Uh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Fantastic. Welcome to the show. Now, now you broke the story of, of who the mystery security forces were. Can you tell us about a bit about this? How did you get to the bottom of this? Well, essentially, I was having a look at pictures. I mean, there was, a, you know, as you know, there was a lot of um, intrigue around who these men in white shirts were, you know, and why they'd been dressed up as waiters and sent it to Parliament, what exactly their orders were. Um, and there was actually a photograph on the Daily Maverick website that I saw, which um, showed, you know, the police shortly before they entered Parliament. Uh, and clearly there were, were name badges visible. Um, so I thought that, you know, it'd be quite an idea just to see if, if there were high-resolution pictures where names could be seen and if those badges would identify who these people were. Uh, managed to get a blow up of one of the pictures, and it clearly showed that a number of them were uh, designated as being part of uh, the South African Police Service and part of what was deemed a, a high-risk detail. Uh, and one name in particular stood out, and that was W.W. Prince. Um, and uh, made various calls, hunted around, Googled a bit, uh, looked around on Facebook, and eventually found Walter Prince, the, uh, the one of the leading figures, or who appears to be one of the leading figures, uh, who, who entered Parliament. Um, and he's a member of the Public Order Police in Cape Town. And what was significant is that he boasted on Facebook and he'd been involved in a, in a previous incident in Parliament, one of the, the three incidents that have taken place in the last six months where police have been called into Parliament. And he boasted after that of, you know, a hunt for Juju, uh, clear reference to Malema. And he'd made, you know, made another comment um, shortly after the, after about a couple of weeks after police went into Parliament for the first time that they would soon be back in Parliament uh, looking for Julius. Um, and I think, you know, what was, what, what was worrying there, uh, you know, more than the comments of a single police officer, um, you know, and I spent quite a bit of time with, with police officers, they, they tend to have a fairly gallows sense of humour, and I think it's, you know, something that makes a stressful <laughs> job a bit easier. But, uh, you know, what, what, what is significant about that um, for me is that it seems to point to a mindset um, with, uh, with Prince himself and possibly with other members of the unit, that they somehow felt that they had a mandate to specifically target uh, Malema. And that raises questions about the command structure, what exactly their orders were. I mean, so we're seeing premeditation here, we're seeing a targeting, not, not, not necessarily to maintain order in parliament, but targeting key parliamentarians. Um, so, I mean, this is quite, this is quite sort of damning from the, from the state's perspective about the use of force. Um, now you've narrowed it down to the public order police and I'm, and I'm quite curious as to, uh, I mean, wh- why it matters from sort of the public eye, whether it's the police, the, the national defense force, the public order police, or why is it so important that we need to get to the bottom of this? 
Well, I think for, for two reasons. One is the secrecy that surrounded that. Um, you had the, the Speaker of Parliament, Balek Mbete, and various other parliamentary officials ducking and diving the question of who these, who these uh, security officers were uh, during the fracas in Parliament. Um, the second thing is, you know, Parliament has its own security, uh, uh, security detail, which is meant to maintain security within Parliament. Um, and, you know, while legislation does allow for police to be called in, um, it's, it's, you know, done in, in obviously in fairly extreme circumstances. And in this case, you know, we've had uh, three occasions where police have now been called into Parliament, uh, twice in which they were uniformed, once now where they were, for all intents and purposes, disguised. And it's completely unprecedented. You know, in, in the space of six months, we police are called into Parliament on three occasions. It raises all kinds of questions about, um, you know, how how Parliament is actually dealing with the, the EFF. It raises, um, you know, raises questions about whether, you know, these steps were, were really necessary, um, particularly in the most recent uh, most recent incident. Um, and then more than that, uh, what was quite telling was when I spoke to Prince on Saturday, uh, he said that he could tell me very little because he'd signed an oath of secrecy. Now, why is a public order policeman in the normal course of his duties signing uh, an oath of secrecy? Uh, we've, you know, we've seen abuses in the past. If you look at uh, Marikana, where police signed oath of secrecy after Marikana. Um, so, and, you know, I mean, it, the, it, it suggests that, you know, it's, it's a means for their commanders to protect themselves. It's a means to silence these officers about what, what they were actually doing. Um, and, you know, again, I think questions need to be asked about why those uh, secrecy were signed, if indeed they were signed. And, and Julian, can you tell us a bit about the reaction from this officer, Officer Prince, when you spoke to him? Was he, was he angry? How, how did he react to you having tracked him down? Well, he was quite shocked um, <laughs> that, you know, I managed to get his phone number. Um, I mean, I don't think that he expected this. Um, and. You know, in hindsight, it probably was, seems a bit naive that, um, you know, given the amount of focus on, you know, who these people were, uh, News 24, for instance, published a story with photographs of various members of the, of the security detail calling for the public to identify them. Um, so, you know, and, and the, the veil of secrecy that was thrown around there. But he, he was quite shocked. Um, he clearly didn't want to say uh, very much. He said that, you know, the comments that he made on his Facebook page were jokes that he'd made to friends. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was, and I, I, I genuinely don't think that he realized this, but that those comments were posted publicly. They weren't private posts on his Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, they were posts that could be accessed by anyone, um, you know, even if they weren't, weren't friends of his. Um, and, um, you know, he seemed to be concerned that if he did speak in, in some detail that he could lose his job because of the secrecy that he signed. And I've seen other comments from him saying that, number one, he's scared that he actually might be, might be used as the fall guy for this whole thing, and number two, he's actually scared for his safety. Can you comment on that? And also, uh, considering all this, this stuff that I think you really, really broke, um, how's the reaction been towards you, and, and have you had any sort of, sort of threats or anything like that? Mm. Um, well, I think, I mean, I think that, you know, it, it would be unfortunate if he is made the full guy. Um, you know, he clearly did play a leading role. There are photographs of him grappling with Malema and also with Floyd Shabambu. Um, but, you know, he's one of a number of people that were involved in this particular operation. 
And I think it's, you know, it's something where, you know, the commanders need to take responsibility. There needs to be an investigation into what actually went on there um, and who the identities of some of the other members of this team are, because it, w- it would seem that they weren't all public order police, but there were elements of parliamentary security team there, um, possibly elements from, from other security agencies. Um, so those, those are the questions. I mean, I think, you know, he becomes a very easy fall guy because of the comments that he made. Um, but, you know, it's, it's it, it's a case essentially of of a police officer um, who was following orders. Um, potentially, those orders may have been uh, illegitimate, and you know, arguably, you could say that you know, if they were illegal or illegitimate, he should refuse to carry them out, and he was fully entitled to do so um, in terms of, of policing legislation. But you know, you need to remember it also, you know, in the context of the police, the culture of the police, um, and that. You know, officers like him fear for their jobs. Mm. They they would follow follow those sorts of orders. Um, so you know, and I think that he is rightly worried. Um, but I also think that if if action is taken against him, um, as you know, should probably happen, and as as will likely happen, that that may open the floodgates to more information about what actually happened in Parliament. Absolutely. Um, I think after the Waterkloof Airbase um, issues we've seen, I think there hmm. may be a, a cynicism from the public that the people actually responsible will will actually be held to trial. Um, um, no, you know, exactly. Uh, I think, uh, just following up on Greg's question, have you faced any intimidation or any backlash to you for breaking this story? No. Okay. No, okay. Uh, none, none whatsoever. Okay, thankfully. I mean, just I think something else that's playing out right now is 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 the search for legal recourse to have to have there be consequences for the speaker. I mean, and from your from your work with Africa Check, I mean, would you would you say that there is some legal recourse to to go against the speaker for high actions in bringing in the security forces? Well, I, I think I mean I think it's a matter of time. I, mean, I think there does need to be a proper investigation. Um, Certainly, you know, if you look at um, what what um, political commentators have been saying, um, it would seem that the, the speaker acted far too quickly. There were, you know, no, no scenes of violence in Parliament um, prior to to the security detail entering Parliament. Um, the, the the EFF, and this is you know purely my opinion, but I mean I think that they were being quite restrained. They were raising points of order. Um, you know, they weren't being particularly disruptive. Um, and, you know, they were disrupting the speech, obviously. But um, the, the, the violence that then ensued when these men entered Parliament, I think there needs to be, you know, very hard questions asked about that, and obviously a, an investigation. Mm, I mean, absolutely. And I think, I think one thing that, that, that maybe got lost in the mess is the actual point of this, which was the State of the Nation address. Um, now you and your team actually did some work on reviewing that and fact checking that. Um, are there any, are there any points that you think are noteworthy once you went through and actually checked the facts of some of the claims that were made? Is there anything that, that's noteworthy from that? Well, um, I mean, if we, just looking at this particular instance, um, we, we published a fact sheet looking at whether it's legal for security forces mm. to be deployed in, in the parliament. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the, um, the powers and privileges uh, of Parliament's um, Act um, quite clearly show that police can be called in. But where it gets uh, fairly grey um, is, you know, in when they can be called in. Um, you know, the, 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 the provision that allows for that suggests that a person who creates or takes part in any disturbance in the precincts uh, of Parliament or the House may be arrested and removed from the precincts. And I think that there's, there's a gray area about what exactly a disturbance is, um, you know, what, what constitutes a disturbance. And the worrying part about this particular mm. um, you know, situation is that if, 
elected officials, and people tend to forget, you know, we're dealing not just with members of the public charging into Parliament and shouting at the President. You're dealing with elected officials raising points of order and then being forcibly removed from, from the Houses of Parliament. Um, you know, when when does this become, you know, an, an invasion on, on their rights? Um, and, you know, that's, that's something that really does need to be looked at. Absolutely. I think that's worth saying again, that it's, it's not just... It's not just um, sort of people causing a minor disturbance. These are people who are elected, um, yeah. representing everyday South Africans, and, and they really have, do have the right to to make those points of order and points of privilege. Mm, exactly. Ah, fantastic. Um, Julian, um, that's it from us. I'd like to really thank you for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure. Thank fantastic. you very much. Fantastic. We're just about to go into a break. Over the break, please make sure to tweet us at Daily Maverick and at Cliff Central. Uh, we'll be back shortly. <laughs> It's 1.31 and you're tuning into the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. We're digging into what has been the talk of the town over the past week, which is the President's Sona address last week in Parliament and the chaos that ensued. Uh, we're just about to go live to Daily Maverick journalist Rebecca Davis, who's in Cape Town for the, for the Sona debate response. Rebecca, how are you today? Not too bad yourself. Oh, fantastic. Thanks for joining us on the show. Now, I really want to start with what's actually been, been playing out in the courts this morning. Um, there's been debate around the, the, the cell phone jammer. And I want to know, do we know anything more about that? So, today in court, we saw Sanif and uh, News 24 and a bunch of other media organizations go to court looking for two forms of redress. One was to get, get access to the full... So, Rebecca, are you still there? Can you hear me? Oh, yes, you broke up a bit. Yeah, we lost you at to get access to that. Okay, so we're looking for access to two forms of redress. One is for the parliamentary TV cameras to show consistently everything that happens in the House rather than being cut off at moments of chaos, as we've repeatedly seen. And the other legal recourse they're looking for is to get a commitment from Parliament that signal jamming cannot be used in the house ever again. And um, the most, I suppose, unexpected thing that happened there today, because the matter has essentially been postponed, is that the lawyer for Parliament, Norman Aronser, said that the jamming had been arranged by the NIA. And this was news to pretty much everyone, because in the speaker's media briefing earlier today, she consistently refused to say who was responsible for the jamming. She would only say that it was a State Department. But here today we've had Parliament's own lawyer saying that it was the NIA, the National Intelligence Agency, which was responsible for jamming that signal. Rebecca, does it look like um, um, the parliamentary officials are now pa- trying to pass the buck onto the National Intelligence Agency? Or do you think that there might be some sort of finding out who was behind the NIA doing it? Or, or are they trying to tell us that the NIA did it of, of their own volition? It is very hard to know who's telling the truth at this stage of the game because we really there do seem to have been layers of deception here, and particularly in terms of what was fed to the media last week. The, the presiding officers claim that the first time they found out about the signal jamming was last Wednesday, so the day before SONA. But even that concession was only one from them after 
some time in which they claimed they knew nothing about it. So eventually they conceded they knew about it on the Wednesday. And they continued to claim that it was absolutely nothing to do with Parliament, that, that the, the, they, it's not something they would do. They don't have that device. And obviously the question then coming from journalists was, but don't you have control over this stuff? Aren't you in control of the House? What is the separation between between the executive and parliament then if, if the executive can just ride roughshod over the internal rules of parliament so these really are some quite troubling questions that this whole thing is throwing up and it really seems to throw throw some doubt on Baleka and Bete's claim that this was just a technical glitch until we know anything more it seems like if, if parliamentary officials knew on Wednesday surely she must be lying no, that is now being revealed as far as I'm concerned as an outright falsehood I mean including from the presiding officers during the press conference today so Tandy Modisa said openly that if there was a scrambling device was brought in by a State Department and that State Department would address the media about it in due course. So today in the press season there's absolutely no reference to any kind of glitch. That story is now at the window. And as you say, I mean, that's another worrying thing, that that has now been exposed as literally an outright lie fed to the South African public. Wow. That is incredible. First of all, that they try to they try to cover up you know, a- a- any ability to sort of get any information out of the house and then they completely lie about it. I can't believe that they, they wouldn't think that they would come out and and be exposed. I mean, it, it really is the most astonishing situation. I don't know if you've witnessed any of that media briefing today, but the frustration of the journalist present was absolutely palpable, just firing this volley of questions and receiving absolutely no answers. And, you know, one of the questions asked was, how will we rebuild trust between the media and parliament when it really seems that you had lied to us repeatedly last week? How do you intend to go about rebuilding trust? And then presiding officers just saying, you know, give us the benefit of the doubt. We're not lying to you now, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, it's very hard so, to oh, know no, how no, those We're not lying now. Get. Now we're honest. Yeah, just just exactly. last week, maybe next week. <laughs> yeah. Quite. And, and Rebecca, in that press conference this morning, did they speak at all about the, the use of force um, to get the EFF members out of the house and the use of uh, police services in, in those? But they defended the, the, the whole shebang. They said, first of all, that um, so the, one of the points that has been raised is that it was surely not within the rules for the entire EFF to be expelled as a party when mm-hmm. only three of them were mentioned by name and asked to leave. Mm. The response to that today from the presiding officers was that the rest of them were blocking the route to the, the three troublemakers. <laughs> so we took them all out. And as a result, because it falls within the rules that if you are being disruptive, you can be removed. And because they were on their feet, they were part of that disruption. And as such, they had to be removed. Possibly the most disturbing, I mean, amidst, you know, this minefield of disturbing information, however, was the revelation that... Um, the police, according to the presiding officers, are allowed to wear exactly what they please in the house. Because questions from the journalists were, why are the police? Why were the police dressed as waiters? Why this weird <laughs> camouflage yeah. if they're not doing anything wrong? And isn't it clearly specified in the Police Act that police have to be identified as such, at least with their badges visible? Mm-hmm. And the response from the presiding officers was that the, that's the police's business. It's their operational business. They can wear what they like in the house which surely cannot be correct. I mean, we, what, you, you don't have to think hard to imagine, you know, a whole range of bizarre scenarios where police could come and camouflage those, you know, I was saying as EFF MPs, for instance, and, and, and sit there. So, I, I mean, that, I'm pretty sure that lawyers are going to have something to say about that. That's incredible. So now we could just see see uh, police regularly posing as waiters, handing out the water bottles next time. Our statues, anything. <laughs> Posing as presiding officials, I don't know. Posing as the usher of the black rod, because who knows what that dude looks like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who knows what that dude does? What does the usher of the black rod do? Is that who carries the mace? 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, it we'll, is a we'll bizarre... We'll find it out on the next show. We'll find out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, it is a... Rebecca, we've got a minefield of, of disturbing information here, as you've said, and, and most of the conversation sounds forward-looking. Like, you may not jam signal in future. You may not call in the public order police in future. But just backward-looking... Is there any, seems like they haven't said that. Is there any legal recourse backward-looking for the Speaker or for the State, for Parliament, for anyone saying this <laughs> happened and there's consequences for that? In, in the court's application today, I believe Parliament's own papers stated that this would be a once-off incident and it would not be signal jamming, that is, and it would not happen again. There, as far as I know, there's been absolutely no commitment to not bringing in police again. In fact, if anything, senior members of both the executive and Parliament have been indicating sort of the opposite, that if necessary, they will come in again. Although today, presiding officers did say that it was an obviously undesirable situation that nobody wanted to see repeated. But, I mean, we're about to go into the House again for the post-Senate debate that will be running today, tomorrow. And on Thursday, of course, we'll see Luma himself taking questions. And, I mean, it, does anyone think this is going to go smoothly? I'm not convinced. Yeah, that's actually my, my, my next question. I'm really curious. What are we expecting from today in the next couple of days? Are we expecting further violence? Will there be chaos? What What are you expecting? I, I, I think it will probably be, I mean, I'm hoping that things will go relatively calmly until Zuma perhaps has to take the stand on, on, on Thursday. That, that I imagine could be the response. Is that right? Then, then he gives his response. Today and tomorrow, I'm not sure exactly how, how sticky things could get. One has to imagine also that the EFF would realize at some point that they're kind of riding a bit of a tightrope in terms of the public opinion of their acts, you know, that they will get to a point surely when the public just loses sympathy with this grandstanding and says, look, we get that you're into the Nkanda issue, but can we just get on with the business of parliament? So, I mean, if I were them or anyone who has the ear of the ear, I'd certainly be advising them to perhaps play it cool for a few days at least. At, at least while you think they've, in the next couple of days, they'll have an opportunity to talk themselves. It'll be quite odd if they disturbed that session <laughs> where, where they have the opportunity to take the stand and, you know, uh, make speeches, pose questions and whatnot. Because, I mean, I, I haven't seen the order paper for today or the agenda, but I have to imagine they'll be, they'll be getting up today. And, I mean... Is it, is, is it now their protocol that they literally cannot stand up without talking about Nkandla? I mean, I, I just, I just honestly don't know. I don't know. Like, hopefully, no more violence. I mean, one does have to wonder how long they can, you know, they keep keep doing sort of this, you know, sort of one trick pony approach they've been using so far. Yeah, and I think they really risk getting pigeonholed as one issue party. Oh, I think that's very much the case. Absolutely. Rebecca, have you thought at all about um, the DA in all this? Because it seems like all we're talking about now is the EFF and the ANC. seems like the, the main opposition party has been completely sidelined. And do you expect them, like characters like Musi Maimani, to really try and come out strong in, in these next couple of days? The, um, I'm going to lower my voice now because I've got Musi spokesperson standing right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, so yesterday you, you may have heard that the um, chief whips of the parties had... Uh, a forum meeting oh, in I which I read the press release from the ANC, which said it all went all went brilliantly, really smoothly, went so well. And the final sentence was the EFF was not present. Right, so it's absolutely <laughs> absurd. Basically, all the parties got together and said an end to anarchy except. in Parliament, except for the group which causes the anarchy, which is the EFF, who refused to attend. So um, the DA certainly seems to be taking this approach of you know enough of this messing about. We 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 want to get on with the business of Parliament. And I expect that they will also be looking to stake out that ground very firmly today as a party of issues. So presumably coming with quite a lot of substantive response to the to the president's speech, I would imagine. And also, I mean, their their constant point throughout this has been that they are the only party, unless you count the really small ones, that don't don't really 
register. But they are the only party respecting the rule of law. They're the only ones not doing stuff which is totally against the, the order of the day. And I imagine that, you know, they'll be keen to be seen to keep sticking fairly fairly closely to parliamentary protocol while also remaining a strong oppositional voice. I think it's going to be a fascinating day, particularly with the heat given recently, um, and characters like Lindiwe Sasulu from the ANC and others from DA and EFF. It could get really heated today, don't you think? It could. It's also 33 degrees in Cape Town, and I mean, everyone's hot and sweaty. I just think, you know, that, that things could easily get heated inside and out. And, and finally, before we let you go, just from the, this morning's um, press conference with the presiding officers of Parliament, does it seem that they actually are taking a responsibility, or is everything now being being blamed on those irritants, the EFF? I mean, there was absolutely no admission of wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. There was there wasn't even as there was last year. You might recall that Speaker Valeka and Beto at one point admitted she lost it when That's dealing right. with the EFF. Okay. Okay. There was absolutely none of that kind of remorse, none of that kind of backtracking whatsoever. There was a total adherence to the line that decorum has to be upheld in Parliament and if that means cracking down on the EFF, so be it. So, and ju- just one more, one final thing before we let you go. Have you seen any waiters around the parliamentary precinct today? <laughs> <laughs> I have not, and I haven't, I'm not that inside the house yet, but so far the the cell phone signal is, is, is flowing strong. <laughs> okay, keep an eye on it. Remember to stay hydrated, Rebecca. <laughs> Okay, perfect. Thanks for joining us. You can find Rebecca on Twitter at Plan B for her political insight. Thanks a lot, Rebecca. Cheers, guys. Fantastic. Cheers. Now, Greg, one thing we haven't really had a chance to dig into is is the Speaker Baleka Mbete's comments over the weekend, where she referred to the EFF as as irritants, and she and she she then went on to refer to them as cockroaches. Um. I mean, what? How can we respect the, the speakers being unbiased with with such comments being made on the record? The the fact is, we can't. I don't think we can because this is Baleka Mbete who presides over the National Assembly and one of the most important jobs in the country. And her job there is is effectively to ensure the smooth running of the National Assembly in Parliament, and to ensure that the rules of the House are adhered to objectively. And it's not an easy job because because the Speaker, as always, comes from the majority party. Well, generally, it comes from the majority party because it's elected by the members in the House. But it's a very important job because if Parliament doesn't run correctly and people perceive bias, then, then nothing will get done. Um, basically, like what we've seen is the DA and the EFF recently had, just don't believe that she's, she's independent. And so, so that was already happening before before the last last week's Sona mayhem. Um, and it's largely because that she's the national chairperson of the ANC, mm-hmm. meaning she's in the party's top six. Yeah. But since what we saw last Thursday night, I think her role, her role in it is quite important to sort of dissect, right? So everyone expected the EFF to, you know, to rise on these points of order. Absolutely. And then, then they came with points of privilege thinking, Ooh. oh, I've got you <laughs> But she was already prepared for what to, what to say, and she waited quite patiently. But she actually, when she first responded to, I think it was um, the EFF SG Godridge Gardy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, he was the first to ask a point of privilege, and she actually said, she read from a piece of paper that she had out in front of her, clearly, clearly expecting this to happen. And on that piece of paper, she read points of uh, points of order. Um, this isn't sort of the the context and the time for points of order because it's the state of a nation address. That's why we're here. You can do that there and in other pla- in other in other forums. You can you can raise points of order. 
But what the EFF later said is, no, you see, she wouldn't listen to us at all because this was the rule we brought up was a point of privilege. She didn't go look at that rule. She didn't, she didn't think about didn't that rule. That at all. She didn't address <laughs> it. She read a prepared speech that, that she'd had for this occasion that we all expected to happen, right? And then after that, uh, multiple EFF members, as we all know, rose on the same point of privilege and they were not answered. They, they were not addressed. And a lot of people say that if perhaps she was able to, in the House, address these issues and engage on these points of privilege, we might have avoided that chaos with the EFF being forcefully removed. So perhaps what could have happened is, obviously, she could have said, Mr. President, Honourable President, will you answer? Will you answer the question? <laughs> when, when will you pay back the money? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been one, one approach. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, she could have just sort of engaged with them a little bit more on, on their, on their raising of these issues and tried to have a bit more of a, of a debate and discussion, which, which may inevitably have led to, you know, another pay back the money yeah. protest. But it also, it also might have ended it or might have delayed it. And, and what it would make, it would make her parliamentary officials and the ANC Absolutely. look more tolerant of, of questioning and debate. But, but very quickly, once the, these other guys came up and asked their questions from the EFF, she very quickly just said, um, like, like, arms. yeah, so Sergeant at Arms and Sergeant at Arms, can you, can you ask these, these guys to, to leave? If the, she was following protocol, clearly knew she had to say the right things Absolutely. and follow the right steps. Before she could do that. That's right. Um, Sergeant, when the Sergeant at Arms can't do it, uh, then she asked for obviously the parliamentary security officers and the other security officers, which we now know as the police to come in and come in and kick these guys out, right? And in that process, she didn't care that Excuse me. Like Rebecca just mentioned, she didn't seem to care that the security officers were kicking out elected members of parliament. Absolutely. With, you know, the EFF has over a million votes, 25 seats in parliament, and only three of its officers were asked, or only three of its MPs were asked to leave. Yet other, all the other EFF members were also forced out of the house. That is effectively taking away people's democratic re- representatives Absolutely. out of the, out of the, the key decision making body in the country. And those guys weren't asked to leave the house. They were just forced out. No, no one tried to stop security officers remonstrating with these guys or anything. And who knows whether they could have? But no one seemed to seem to bat an eye or, or think about, hey, let's try and keep some of these guys here, or say let's only get those guys and perhaps be gentle with the other guys while you just you know take take Malema and 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 Lozzie and whatnot out. And so, the core thing behind this is that, that seems to show that. You know, we didn't, we didn't see from her, Baleka and Beta, any sort of screaming. We didn't see her yelling, you know, Absolutely. get those bastards cockroaches, out. You know, cockroaches, <laughs> like that. At that time, we didn't see that. Yeah. But all we, we saw what seemed to be when, when she could have gone one way or another way on the rules or yeah. one way or another way on political discussion and tolerance. She went for for the harder route immediately. Uh, uh, t- too soon, which is a lot of, well, a lot of what a lot of people are saying before they caused a disruption, which is required by the legislation to get these guys out, right? So that's all there. Saturday, I don't know what she was thinking, <laughs> but she when she addressed an ANC Northwest, um, I think it was an elective conference over there. That's where she said these comments. She called she called Malema a cockroach. She called the EFF irritants. She said it was a beautiful opportunity to get to show these guys how it's done and get Absolutely. rid of these guys of the house. And later on, Zizi Codwell, the spokesperson of the ANC, tried to justify her comments, saying two things. Firstly, 
She was speaking in her position as ANC chairperson, Not as the speaker. which basically sounds like I'm tweeting in my personal capacity, you no. know. And we all know how that how well that works, you know. <laughs> like I, I, our friend in the public order police. Yeah, that's right. Or or, or Macintosh Palella. Do you remember the spokesperson of the <laughs> oh, Hawks who, who had the absolutely. had the genius idea to tweet on uh, Job Job when he got arrested? So we all know well how well that works out. So obviously. She, she is, she might be there as an ANC person, but she's still the Speaker of the House and what she says matters, particularly given what happened the other day, right? Then, uh, his, his other defense was, no, no, Blake Ambete was not speaking literally. She was speaking figuratively. I think that's really worth pointing out. For everyone listening, she wasn't saying that the EFF were actual cockroaches. They're not, they're not literally they cockroaches. cockroaches. Just figuratively. Figuratively. figuratively it's a metaphor. ANC, it's a metaphor. And I think that needs to be clear. That's right. So, given all this, one wonders at all how, how anyone can sort of take her seriously, how, how that parliament can actually resume with any semblance of, of the speaker being, being perceived as independent. And the, the real question is what happens now to her, right? So, effectively, the way you usually get rid of a speaker is, is through a motion in the house. In the house. And there's already, they already tried to have a no confidence motion in Black and Beta, and that worked out really well because. The NC's majority in parliament? It wasn't even that. They're, all the opposition parties walked out in some sort of protest, and the vote <laughs> ended up being like 250 to zero. There was no one there. For, for, for keeping her. So, so, so you can't win in the house, right? Yeah. Um, the other options, uh, some people were talking, I think it was Bantu Holomisa from the UDM, talking about going to court to get an interim interdict to prevent Baleka Mbeta from presiding over the house because of her bias and because she won't be able to perform her functions according to how, how she's expected. But we've seen multiple times, particularly in the Western Cape uh, High Court, that judges are very reluctant to get involved in in anything to do with Parliament. It, it, like, it, we could see something, we could see, often they'll hear the case, but... Most of the judgments as to rulings on how how Parliament should go and which in which way they should go on on, on certain parliamentary issues, most of the these judges just say, "Your your Parliament, you're another arm of a branch of the state. Absolutely, you guys should sort out your own shit." It's, I think I think it's going to be quite interesting seeing how the opposition parties try to unite around this because I think there's an intent to want to work as one one united opposition but even between them I think there's 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 differences around how they want to approach this is it the court is it parliament are they going to walk out at every opportunity are they going to be prepared to fight the waiters with their hard hats I think there's a big <laughs> sort of disunity in the in the collective no I think it is I think the this whole situation does pose a lot of difficult problems for the different opposition parties particularly Obviously, the EFF is very strong in its stance and what it's going to do. Whether it should continue to protest and cause a ruckus in Parliament, um, that's another matter that it has to has to face its own as to whether the public is tired of it and whether people are going to continue to draw inspiration and and be proud of voting for EFF and hope to vote EFF again. They have to ask that themselves. Absolutely. Right? The DA, I think, are in a bit of a difficult position. Because it's Malema who's getting all the attention. It's the EFF who's getting all the attention. And the DAs tried to raise their game. They're trying to do all this sort of stuff. Like they, they walked out, which we mean, no, the all black, many black suits. All black there we go. They boycotted <laughs> the red carpet. So, you so, know. so they seem to, they seem to be trying to match the EFF in stunts. With decorum though. Yeah, well, of course, with decorum. <laughs> With liberal decorum, of course. And so, so I think they have a really difficult position. They've, they've been talking about, they, they are worried about the eroding of the legitimacy of parliament. And the parliament won't be able to, to function in the way that we need it to function. Um, and they draw that back to often the eroding of other institutions around the country, such as the NPA, um, the Hawks, SARS, uh, the government parastatals, so on, so on, so on. And, 
So their line is that Parliament needs to work, and it's both the EFF and the ANC who are eroding Parliament. The ANC eroding eroding the legitimacy of Parliament because they Zuma hasn't been there enough to answer questions. ANC not taking their responsibilities um, seriously enough, not being accountable enough. They say. Um, so so the DA is in this sort of tricky spot where they're just sort of if they if they go along with the with the flow and uh, with Parliament and with the ANC. It's, there might be work done, but it also looks like they're assenting and agreeing to, to what the ANC and Zuma is doing. Absolutely. But, um, then at the, yeah, and at the same time, when you have EFF going crazy, you know, on the other, just, just next to them in parliament, that makes the DA look pretty weak, you know, and toothless. Um, but then you've also got country, got, got, um, parties like, uh, the UDM. Panto Holomisa is often quite principled on these things, and he said he's going to court, so we'll see what happens. So, so, so he may go to courts on that one, and he has, Bantahulamisa has approached the courts before and been successful on a number of issues. Um, other parties you've seen, who cares about Hung, I guess. Um, I, IFP and NFP seem to just be acquiescent to, to the ANC's rule. I mean, one thing is for sure, it is going to be quite the week um, in, in politics in, in, in South Africa over the next coming week, and, and I can't wait to dig into what's happened on next week's show. If, if, if you're listening and you're near a TV, I'd actually, by 2 o'clock when we, when we knock off this show, I'd actually go and watch the parliamentary replies, because I don't think there'll be any violence, but I think the speeches could get very heated. Absolutely, and we've got Andilia Mkwitama's uh, tweeting, uh, and I think he's got a press conference going on right now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Andila, we almost forgot the EFF's Rogan chief. So, so Andila as well. Yeah, he's, he's actually, we saw today he's been suspended for holding his own press conferences, yeah. uh, leaking information to the Wearing media. Wearing the t-shirt, I think. Yeah. 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 Speaking yeah. out about, um, about all things Julius Malema and EFF yeah. and just sort of crapping on the party, I guess, from, from while trying to stay inside. And so some people are saying it looks like the EFF, the wheels are coming off. You know, it's all falling apart, but yeah. I don't particularly think so. We've seen, uh, him and from Gauteng, Lufuno, Hohoro, um, who, who is a sort of breakaway leader in Gauteng, but neither of them seem to have the constituencies or the weight to actually, um, you know, to, to really bring the, this, this young party down. I think what it actually is, is we, the EFF was formed out of almost anyone and everyone who felt disenchanted and wanted to join something that, that seems a little bit more radical, a more leftist, more radical, um, more populist option than the ANC. And now what we're seeing is a culling of those and, and a, a discord of those of those quite random people who came together. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, it's, so it's natural it's going to happen. But I think there's also a lot of people who are watching this with such interest just hoping that the EFF fall apart just so they can laugh at Malema. Absolutely. And, and yeah. they self-destruct. And of course, you've got the likes of Kenny Kunene and Gaten McKenzie with their open letters on the sideline. Guys, let's not even start. Let's let's not get into <laughs> that. Anyway, I think that's all the time we have for today. Um, Greg Nicholson from the Daily Maverick, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, and also a big thank you to Rebecca Davis and, and Julian Rademeyer for calling in. Um, we'll see you next week, same time.